We are not selling a product, we are selling a story. And actually the fashion industry is all about storytelling. It's the story that that brand is telling you, is the belonging of being part of a tribe. And that tribe has been built through a consistency, storytelling of what that brand is all about. So we actually believe that our role within the ecosystem of digital fashion is to be a curated storytelling brand. You know, that is what identities, how identities will be formed. And especially in these early days of the industry, it is about giving the meaning, the deeper meaning, not only the functional meaning where I can wear it, but the emotional meaning of why should I care about it. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go-to source to succeed in the fast-moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors, so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. GM, GM, and welcome back to the NFT Now podcast. I'm Matt Medved, and today's guests are Kerry Murphy and Adrian Pereira from The Fabricant, a leading digital-only fashion house based in the Netherlands, establishing the concept of non-physical couture. They famously created and sold the first fashion NFT back in 2019 for $9,500 and have partnered with the likes of Google, Adidas, Off-White, and H&M. On this episode, I'm joined by a very special guest co-host. Aphrodite Zuri is an independent curator and key advisor for Now Media, who leads our Now Runway vertical focused on digital fashion and luxury. She first introduced me to the Fabricant's work earlier this year, and I'm excited to welcome her on today's episode. If you haven't already checked out our digital fashion vertical Now Runway, head to nftnow.com runway. Each week, we report to you from the front lines of the digital fashion revolution. Speaking of the front lines... We're catching up with The Fabricant live from New York Fashion Week. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Kerry and Adriana from The Fabricant on the NFT Now podcast. How are we doing today? Very well, thank you. Very good. Very good. Excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Excited to have Aphrodite Zuri, our guest co-host uh, and, and the lead for uh, all things Now Runway Digital Fashion at NFT Now. It's going to be really special. Uh, have her a part of this conversation as well. Um, before we jump into all of the things that you're building, let's just get a little bit of the backstory. How did you form the Fabricant? What was the vision there? Cool, great question. And uh, um, I would say it started initially around 2016, and uh, it was a, a w weird time in the world where um, it was fashion was kind of going through digital transformation. Uh, but no one was really picking up on it. The fashion industry was talking about 3D in a in a very archaic way, kind of like how we used to talk about 3D back 30, 30 years ago. Uh, so it was quite, um, yeah, easy discovery in a sense that digital fashion was going to happen since every single other design industry had gone through digital transformation. And our third co-founder, Amber, who's not here today, was actually the world's first digital-only fashion designer to graduate out of uh, a fashion institute with a digital only portfolio. So back in 2016, it's not so crazy to talk about digital assets. Gaming industry was already big. Visual effects industry was big. Photography, architecture, all of these design industries gone through digital transformation, yet fashion had only started that journey. So myself having come, come from film and visual effects, uh, kind of started seeing the same 
trends as I had seen with the uh, visual effects world that had gone through digital transformation about 20 years prior. And uh, yeah, it was kind of easy to piece the things together and be like, hey, well, fashion's only going to get more digital. And there was not a single uh, company called the Digital Fashion House. And it's, it's not a crazy concept. You know, you just take the concept of a fashion house and you put digital in front of it. And, and it's a, basically a company who designs digital only clothing. And at that point, we were like, well, where does digital clothing play a role? It plays a role in games. It plays a role in social media. And it plays a role with fashion brands. You know, so there, were, there was already a clear indication of an early market. Uh, so we started basically just trying out some technology, bringing t- together some... Uh, uh, 3D tools from the fashion industry, 3D tools from the visual effects industry, uh, duct taping them together to start creating a very high quality content around digital only clothing. And through that, in 2017, did like a full year of business development with fashion brands and with gaming brands. And it was very clear that uh, gaming publishers was a hard stop. It was very, very hard to get through the, the gatekeepers in that industry to start putting your own assets into the games. But the, the excitement was coming from the fashion brands and they wh- where did they really want to use it? Mainly as a marketing tool at that point because it was this storytelling for fashion brands to say, look how cool I am, look how unique and innovative I am because they were already start, uh, starting to talk about Gen Z back then that they needed a way to connect to these youth audiences through this language of technology and innovation so in 2018, uh, we started as a, a so-called service agency servicing these brands. And then in 2019, we moved into a company that was really focused on uh, designing digital-only clothing. And then Adriana working on, the let's say, the platform side of things. So we always wanted to be a scalable tech company, uh, scaling the production and distribution of digital clothing while always focusing on one thing. How do we how do we ensure that clothing or fashion is as beautiful and as crafty uh, in the digital world as it is in, in the physical world? And that's kind of yeah how we got started in a nutshell. Adriana, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, I think adding to that, uh, uh, a lot of what the fabricants thought in the beginning, the mission remains the same. And uh, was very much inspired by Amber, the creative director, who created this digital collection and her hypothesis, which by the way, the fun fact is that she almost didn't graduate because back then schools didn't accept how come fashion is digital. You need to have a physical show, right? And she made a digital show, a holographic digital show back then. But her hypothesis was uh, if fashion is all about self-expression, right? That's why we, we dress differently because we want to express ourselves differently. And we want to express differently because we want to create connections. And if all our connections are now digital, why can't we have digital fashion, right? It's the most natural thing because we are, we are living digital lives. Look at this, right? It's a complete digital lifestyle. And that hypothesis of uh, we should be finding new ways to express ourselves digitally because that's where we're spending most of our lives is what drove our belief that the fabricant had a place of right. As uh, Carrie was saying, now in the early days, we were in stages talking about it and people were like, what? <laughs> and it took some time to get it off the ground. We had to service the industry in a service model until we really, I think, met blockchain in 2019 together with the team of Dappers and Dapper Labs and did the first uh, uh, 
dress option uh, back then OpenSea didn't exist, right? So we sold it for 54 ETH, our, our one digital dress, which, which we call like the Mona Lisa of digital fashion. And we looked at that technology and said like, wow, this will make it possible. This will make it possible for an industry to exist. And we never left ever since. Then became part of our tech stack, became part of our, uh, our development and uh, became part of our strategy to scale and ultimately make it a, an industry which we believe one day will be larger than the physical one. Fantastic hearing your origin story. Um, and Adriana, you touched upon this earlier, but what gave you the conviction to double down on digital fashion so early? Yeah, like <laughs> in a way we, we are purpose driven, the three of us. And when we had that strong belief that there is, there is a need for the fashion industry to change, to change because it's uh, one of the least sustainable industries in the world because it's an industry that actually hasn't innovated and because we believe that there is an opportunity to really make it more accessible, make it more creative. So there was like a, a very strong purpose, I would say, almost that naive purpose of we can change this industry, we can make it better. And then uh, we start adding the piece of, uh, okay, but what is the business model here? Uh, my background is in fashion, in physical fashion, I worked for larger brands and, and retailers carry from the technology, Amber from the creative. So we had that kind of really beautiful triangle of uh, we can reinvent it and we had the three dimensions of it. And then we start trying it out. And as we tried it out, we saw that there was appetite. As Carrie said in the beginning, the appetite was more, hey, we can express our stories differently. That was very much from the fashion industry to when COVID hit, Actually, we need solutions to digitalize the industry. So we also did more like, uh, you know, reinventing how you present fashion from digital showrooms, uh, digital shows. And then uh, as we start developing our tech stack and really becoming what we call this uh, uh, platform for brands and creators and uh, NFTs becoming more and more understood or blockchain becoming more and more understood as a technology we saw that there is now a new phase that we all are coming in where digital fashion and the ownership of digital fashion or wearing digital fashion is more and more getting close to, I would say, becoming mainstream, right? There are a few hurdles to get there, uh, but every it's almost like every year as we got into the journey and we were between like the purpose and being pragmatic, looking at, the, you know, looking where the demand was and adapting our business model towards it, it was always like a confirmation of the path moving forwards and we kept going. I don't know, Kerry, do you want to add something there? Yeah, I mean, shortly, it was, um, as I was saying as well, you know, the, the fashion industry was only starting its digital transformation. We already live in a digital age, you know, so how, how come digital fashion is, is not one of the mainstream things for us? And then, of course, uh, you know, looking at other technology pro providers, what was happening, uh, uh, Instagram coming up with AR filters, Snap coming up with AR filters. So AR was starting to be kind of a, a growing technology in 2016, uh, sorry, in uh, 2019. So, of course, it was very clear that this was going to play a role in fashion. And then the other one is, of course, in gaming. Gaming started having the conversation of what what would it actually mean to bring assets from uh, from the outside world into this game. So something like uh, Nike uh, collaborating with Fortnite, 
Balenciaga collaborating with Fortnite. So we started kind of seeing these collaborations between the fashion industry and gaming industry. So there's like very strong signals of the, the whole industry going towards these digital technologies, not only from uh, kind of the entertainment side, but really from the from the interactive side where we start seeing functional purpose, uh, digital fashion being used in film, in games, in social media, everywhere. And of course, what we do is it's not necessarily designing or producing clothing. We're very, very much focused on the identity side of things. So if you think, think about fashion in your functional life, what you guys are wearing right now, you're telling stories with it. You're, you're profiling yourselves in a very curated way in your physical lives. And we have the exact same need in the virtual lives as well. It's just we don't have the, the, the best tools or the best fashion in, in, in our virtual lives yet. There's, there's not so much um, choice to be really made to create your identities in a very specific way. So that's part of the core of the Fabricant as well creating items and digital fashion items that people will want to use that they can feel proud of that they can really go out there and just be like hey look look at look at these digital fashion items that i own so it becomes a, like a status symbol or a storytelling way to, uh, for us to connect to each other so fashion is a communication method and it will especially be much bigger communication method uh in in the online world yeah, look, I love that. And and I'd love to dig into that a little bit deeper because I think that's one of the things that really stood out the most uh, the first time I encountered, you know, the fabricant's work was the power of storytelling. Um, so I'd love to hear, like, what is the role of storytelling in digital fashion and also in uh, the fabricant's approach? I, w- I would say, I mean, storytelling goes far and wide, you know, in, in, into our lives. So we, ki- we kind of say it's the, the ultimate form of uh, uh, connecting with each other since the early days of humanity. And for me, at, at the moment, like everything that we've been doing since the beginning is a form of storytelling. Essentially, me coming from film and visual effects, that was the only thing that I did. And to notice that fashion actually has the same components to it. It's a form of communicating. It's a form of connecting to people. It's a form of uh, self-expression and identity, especially the side of self-expression is, is so important because I think everybody realizes that even when I put on a black T-shirt today, that I, I am telling a story, you know, like I could say like, no, I don't want to tell a story with my clothing, but then that becomes the story of the clothing. So especially for us to truly connect uh, to, to people through digital fashion, storytelling becomes one of the most important components of creating that connection because there we don't have the tangibility. We have people coming up to us. It's like, how do I touch it? How do I wear it? What do I do with it? So we need to give them the tools to be able to tell what that story is. Why should they buy it? And once they buy it, what what can they do with it? Because they're going to get the same uh, questions coming from their community. They're going to be like, "What? why did you buy this digital fashion item? It doesn't make sense. You can't touch it. You can't wear it. So we need to give them the tools to be able to tell that story of what, what that is. And, uh, you know, having spoken to Aphrodite earlier on, I, I think she put it very beautifully there. Yeah, it's it's identity, it's self-expression. You know, I think those are the key components when it comes down to virtual fashion. But it goes much, much further. And we all have a, have a different way of doing it. The, the way I profile my story online through digital fashion is different from Adriana. 
So we also can't box it in to be like, oh yeah, it's that one story that resonates with everybody. No, every everybody has their different ways of connecting to digital fashion through their own personal stories. Yeah, and adding to that, one of one of the things we talk a lot internally is that we are not selling a product, we're selling a story, right? And and actually the fashion industry is all about storytelling. Why you're buying, you know, a, a bag for four thousand euros versus for four dollars. Uh, it is a story. It's not only the, the craftsmanship, it's the story that that brand is telling you, is the belonging of being part of a tribe. And that tribe has been built through a consistent storytelling of what that brand is all about. So we actually believe that our role within the ecosystem of digital fashion is to be a curated storytelling brand because that is what's you know, that is what identities, how identities will be formed. And especially in these early days of the industry, it is about giving the meaning, the deeper meaning, not only the functional meaning where I can wear it, but the emotional meaning of why should I care about it? Why should I acquire a digital item right now? And, and that is for us uh, super important. So we are very curated on our drops. We don't drop like every week, every day. No, we actually spend a lot of time creating those narratives whether it is through our own label or partnering with other labels, what is the story we're trying to say? How are people going to experience it? How are they going to express themselves? And really using the, the, I would say, the team that we have is quite special because we have traditional fashion designers, which are all about concepting and, and narrative and storytelling and design, right? Then we have visual effects game engineers, and then we have you know, the traditional blockchain engineers and, and product nerds. And we have these three disciplines around the table working together on how can we tell that story, make the experience rich, and ultimately create a functional, uh, a functional use for that item as well. I love that. And that leads us to today, where we're, I, want, I want to learn more about the Primal Rave collection and try to understand your vision behind it. We have always been about how can we reinvent the industry? So everything that we do has has that uh, you know thought behind of how can we do it differently than the physical industry would do, and one of the things that we question is this idea of seasons, right? Because in the in the physical industry you have seasons and you have collections, well in the digital world there are no seasons, so why do we need to actually drop as spring, summer, fall, winter? Why do we need to have this kind of short collections and? And we decided to try something new, which was a long, I would say, long-form storytelling of fashion. So the Primal Rave is the end of a chapter called Whole Land. And Whole Land started in January. And uh, we also there thought, well, instead of starting with uh, clothes, what if we start a collection with the accessories? So you actually, you, you collect first your earrings, and then you start building your looks after that. So. The first drop were digital earrings. And then from there, if you had the earrings, you had access to benefits throughout the narrative. The second drop were headpieces where you could co-create and create your own. And now the final drop is the clothes, which are the head-to-toe looks. Uh, the entire collection is inspired by the Dutch 17th century uh, clothes and craftsmanship. Uh, why? Because we're Dutch. And, uh, you know, we just have this very rich story in all this archive and we collaborated with a museum and the team got super excited about the archive piece and decided to put, pull that in, the story. 
And the other uh, part of the narrative is is the rave techno music, which Amsterdam is very known for. You know, AD is coming in October. The whole world comes here, and and that is also like a big part of the narrative. And then the third piece is more very much from our creative director, this this whole kind of more Asian culture and mystical, and uh, she infused that in. So the whole collection has these three elements in the concept as base. And again, Primer Rave is the grand finale. It's the grand finale when you see everything that was part of the collection styled in looks, which are then showed in the form of a show. And there again, we felt like, how could we create a new form of show? that is not a catwalk, that is not purely a video, that it actually allow people to be part of it. So we are launching uh, at the end of the month, an immersive show, which was built on Unreal Engine Gaming, which is super beautiful, it's the highest definition. And instead of watching it, you actually walk through it. And you walk through this rave in the forest that brings all these elements of the concept together and you experience that narrative, the, the core finale of the narrative. So that six looks head to toe, which, uh, yeah, anybody, well, not anybody because it's a VIP only, but our holders and a few people from our connection after that, you, you're going to be invited. We'll be there experiencing it uh, for the first time. And, and again, we hope to inspire the industry. We hope to inspire uh, people to kind of you know, see digital fashion in real life, but also inspire the industry to move on, to really redefine these uh, this concepts and, uh, and embrace new ways of telling the stories. So I had the pleasure of previewing the short film that you created to accompany this collection. I've seen it a hundred times and I understand more than most people, the narrative necessary to create a collection, whether it is physical or digital. We don't create anything inside of a vacuum. But I'd love to understand why you decided to dedicate so much energy and resources into creating this short film. Well, it, it's an extension of what, what Adriana was saying. Yeah. Again, really challenging the limitations of what can be done with physical fashion. Physical fashion is a, is a lot about the runway and it has been about the runway for about 100 years. And uh, fashion films actually started coming out may, maybe about 10 years ago that they really started getting very popular. And they used, utilized many of the traditional storytelling techniques, uh, film techniques to do that. So again, we, we want to take that into its evolution to the next phase where we get to do things that are not physically possible, where we do get to challenge all the norms and everything that has been done in the physical fashion industry. So, it, it, so it's not a repeat, so it's not on the same cycle. So it really challenges the, the way we visualize uh, fashion, but also way, the way that we utilize storytelling. So when you do see the, the the fashion show, you do see that there's a lot of references and quite uh, you know sexual way of approaching it. But it, it's not realistic. We're not using uh, like real human skin or you know real humans. We're, we're using avatars. So we're, we're really focusing on finding this middle ground between being completely digital, but also being photorealistic and just, uh, yeah, just f find a twist to it and a new place, a, a new narrative and a new visual style that hopefully intrigues and inspires not only people within the fashion industry, but also outside of the fashion industry. 
to really look at it and be like, whoa, what is this? What's going on? Uh, make them feel uncomfortable, but also also comfortable enough to want to watch the whole thing. So it is, it is a little bit of challenging, a little bit poking, questioning, and uh, drawing people in out of curiosity because it, it, there is a lot of newness around it. So that's why it's so playful. That's why there's a lot of newness around it. And uh, yeah, really just doing things that can't be done physically that that's always the mantra that we take everything from because you know otherwise why wouldn't we just photograph or just film film something that can already exist so it's super important to always uh yeah just be playful have fun be experimental and not worry too much about you know what, what people do think but do respect the audiences to want for want for them to take part in this journey yeah and the film makes it also more accessible as i said like the the show will have a limitation of, uh, of seats, participation, but uh, the video makes the story, you know, be distributed more broadly. And also there, again, is a, is a new business model for the industry. We say, we're going to sell the video, right? We're going to sell the clothes. We're going to sell the video. Uh, the show can travel the world. So why can't we adopt these new methods, these, uh, these new ways in the physical industry? So I think we're always thinking about, uh, how can we take it more from what we're doing as well? How can we expand it? And uh, again, try new things. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love that. I think that really like lies at the, at the core of the space is like that willingness to experiment and embrace like what is a new horizon. Um, so taking a look into the into the Primal Rave collection, I see it's like, you know, quite affordably priced. You know, I think the pieces are between what, like 30 and $70 each. Um, each one comes with uh, a 3D file, Ready Player Me and an AR wearable. And I'm just curious, like, how, like, what was your approach to side of like determining that pricing and that approach? And what does the consumer look like in this or in these early innings? Like who is purchasing digital fashion currently? Very, very good question. So uh, we, a few things there. Of course, we monitor the market and that's super important. We also talked to our community and, uh, and we did a lot of research on the pricing. The, so that is more, the, I would say, the technical side. The other side is we are, what we are doing, this collection took almost a year for the team to put together, like end-to-end -end, the entire narrative. It's it's really like when people think about digital fashion, especially today's in the days of AI, well, in a few hours you put it together. No, it's really like there is such a high level of detail. It's highly, highly designed and, uh, and the craftsmanship is insane. But we also wanted to, so we wanted to have had uh, this high level of uh, quality but we wanted to make it accessible. So that is again, kind of how can we try a new model where we can merge the two rather than making fix that and not accessible, make it more accessible. We are even, there is a, the boots we give for free, which for us is also like, how can we onboard people in the experience at the lowest barrier possible, right? So I think that there is that side of us that uh, wants to make it accessible, wants people to try it out and therefore wants to make a, a price that is interesting. Uh, the fact that we are also on flow has, a, you know, traditionally a lower price point than the Ethereum community. So that also plays a role. Um, but ultimately using this to, I would say, the more uh, us always define the industry versus what's the true sentiment for pay. That's what uh, determines the, the price of the items right now. So I think it's interesting that you're talking about accessibility, but important to note, the supply size is quite small. And also, I'm one of the lucky few who gets to watch your runway show. 
And I want you to expand upon those ideas of exclusivity in the space and you continuing that story as well. Yeah, very good, which kind of leads to Matt's question, who is buying it, right? And uh, there again, we are continuing talking to the community and understand who is in our community. And traditionally, our community has always been, and we're very proud of it, been uh, done and, and composed uh, of creators. So uh, digital creators. And that comes from our history on the early days and to the day of today as well. We have been giving away our 3D files because we always believe in democratizing the industry. We always believe in collaboration and cooperation, right? So we had like uh, in our old website, we were giving away these files and we got 40,000 kind of downloads of files. And, and again, these were early days. So our community traditionally has been very much from creators. And we're very proud of that. We give a lot of content and, and tutorials. The next to that, what we had uh, as being blockchain is web free collectors. Is, is almost like the niche of the niche of the collectors, right? It's people that really gravitate into fashion, believe that in the change that the fashion industry is going to go through and believe in the narrative we are telling. I think that is the, the second, I would say, big piece of, uh, of our community and the people that are buying. And then as we partner with uh, traditional brands, and we did um, actually two drops in July, which were very telling on how the industry is going, we start actually getting mainstream, uh, you would say consumers, right? I hate the word consumers, but people that just love physical fashion. And uh, the interesting thing there is that uh, when we dropped that collection, the collection of digital items sold uh, in higher quantity than the physical ones and actually generated additional revenue, which is kind of really interesting how, you know, tapping into how this is evolving, we're getting more and more mainstream uh, adoption. But because your question back to why we're limiting the amounts, one is for the free items, we have a lot because we want to onboard these new people in. But for the uh, items of the collection, the looks, we made it uh, you know, relatively scarce. It's still quite a big supply, but rel relatively scarce because we acknowledge that our traditional buyers, which are web free buyers, value the scarcity side of things. So we're kind of trying to make the combination of how can we make it accessible and you know, be able to onboard people that otherwise wouldn't while honoring, I would say, probably the ethos and the dynamics of the web free space. I mean, I would say that's not just web three. I, I am a sucker if I know this is the last of something. This is a vintage of something. No one else can have it after me. And so I love that you're continuing that. Like, and, and it also starts leading into the questions of, you know, how do you define couture in the digital space? And I know Carrie has a lot to share about that. Because something that we've talked about in the past. For me, I mean, when you when you look at the technical meaning of couture, it basically just means sewing. Uh, but what 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 is couture for for us, and what is couture for for digital fashion? It essentially is uh, craftsmanship, and the craftsmanship of the technology itself, the craftsmanship of the creativity, craftsmanship of multiple different industries coming together to collaborate this new world. So it's not only what we call the product, which is the digital fashion item, the digital fashion clothing itself. It's it's also the blockchain development side. It's also the visual effects side of things. You know, so it's the co-creation and collaboration of industries coming together to craft the, the, the new meaning of digital fashion. And our focus point with the Fabrican has always been high quality. 
So we take, you know, high quality craftsmanship of traditional fashion. As Adriana was saying, we have, a, let's say, an interesting team of people uh, within the fabricants. So we have the traditional fashion designers who bring the traditional craft of, you know, drawing patterns, constructing patterns to make shapes. They talk about silhouettes. They talk about drapes. They utilize the language of traditional fashion. And then they pass that on to the visual effects designers who utilize the tools and techniques and the language of the visual effects industry. And that's when they start doing things like um, materials, uh, lighting, rendering, and a lot of other technical jargon to bring the fashion to life, to honor and respect the storytelling as we were talking about, uh, to bring that storytelling layer in, into, into the digital fashion side of things. And then through that, it goes to the developers who create the scarcity, who create the ownership layer uh, for, for digital fashion. So for me, the, the, the uniting word here is, is craftsmanship and just really coming in and being like, okay, well, how, how do we make it bigger? How do we make it better? And how, how do we ensure that it is something that is interesting for the people to buy? And when we talk about the different senses that fa fashion really taps into, well, sight is the biggest one because it's something that you see. So it has to be beautiful or it has to be really ugly, but it has to be something that you connect to it. It really just has to spark interest in it because the worst thing that you can do is people just not caring about it at all, you know, having having no reaction. And fashion is about emotion. So it's about bringing the emotional layer into digital fashion. So when you look at a digital clothing and you don't feel anything, that then we've done our job very badly. I, you gotta hate it or you gotta love it, but you cannot not care about it. So. So it is emotion and craft uh, as, as in uh, normal couture, as in physical couture. And we are making the statement that we will be part of the Federation of Haute Couture in Paris sooner or later. Uh, it, might take, it might take some time, but we, we need to get those guys warmed up for the idea as well, that there is a lot of craft and passion behind digital fashion. It's not just something that, you know, you just bust open a 3D software and, you know, you just design some stuff and you have fashion. No, you do need to have the foundation of what what does fashion mean you need, do need to have the foundation of fashion design to be able to make these items and then take them further you know so not just what we call uh digital twins so it's not just a representation of a physical item but actually add that layer on top which makes it more interesting in the digital space amen to that uh i i appreciate all those points and especially you know our mission here at, at NFT Now is to empower the creators of culture and to bring this uh, technology from niche to mainstream. So everything you're speaking about, joining the Federation, bringing this to the mainstream is music to our ears here. I'd love to hear your perspective because obviously this is a fast growing space, but it is still early. Like, what do you think it's really going to take for digital fashion to go mainstream? Mm, that's, the, that's the million dollar question. Uh, that's... Uh... If, if somebody would know that, it would already uh, be mainstream. So it's all about um, look at, looking into the crystal ball of the future. And uh, just like with any, let's say, uh, trends that we've seen in the, you know, the past two decades, you know, from the Internet, from social media, from mobile phone, it's typically been that, that there needed to be a technical infrastructure upgrade in one form or another. The idea of, you know, AI, internet, VR, AR, they have been around for decades, but you really needed something to, 
to go forward for for that to become accessible for let's say users or the the word that Adriana hates consumers and what we see now with essentially with AI it's like all of a sudden we have all of these AI tools that anybody can use in in their daily lives but this hasn't been the case for for as long as AI has been around so for me there, there's a few technological things that would really help us out because we already have beautiful fashion. We already have the tools to, to produce and design amazing fashion. And there are certain platforms. So certain things that I'm super uh, excited about that I really want to see. Um, well, Web3 Gaming. So, you know, what is Web3 Gaming? Essentially, gaming platforms that are open for companies like us to actually distribute our clothing onto any platform. Because right now we have the challenge with the gatekeepers of the of the publishers of the world. We can't just put it on Fortnite. Uh, we can't just put it on, you know, the, the games that are being played the most. Then the accessibility of something like augmented reality filters. Not everybody cares for filters at the moment. So once that technology becomes better, because right now, sometimes you see these items, they don't track so well on the body. They're not high quality. And as I was saying earlier on, we need digital fashion to be high quality at all stages. So the way that we uh, showcase digital fashion through technologies like AR filters. It just needs to be high quality. It needs to track on the body perfectly. What we have internally within the Fabrican already, we can put digital fashion on our calls. You know, so when we have internal calls with the Fabricans, we can put on glasses, headwear. We can put on basically the whole whole land collection on ourselves. But we don't think it's high quality enough yet to be doing it everywhere and all the time. You know, so we, we need to push that forward. And then, of course, everybody was uh, hypothesizing about what is Apple going to launch with the Apple Vision Pro. So we've seen now the first uh, uh, phase of what's coming. Uh, it does not have, let's say, a digital fashion component to it. But we are going to start seeing some experimentation happening between digital fashion and Apple Vision Pro. But yeah, certain things that we need is amazing face tracking, amazing body tracking. And what we call within the Fabrican, we're hypothesizing for 2026, what we call the post-AR revolution, which you can call it, whether it's AI-driven, I don't know what the hype word will be, but it's essentially the ability for all of us to sit on this call and exchange clothes in, in high quality. So I will not be able to determine if you're wearing physical clothing or digital clothing. That like Once we have that accessibility, and the computing power behind our mobile phones and our laptops, that's going to be a total inflection point because digital fashion is already here. You know, we don't, we don't need to, you know, design more. We just need more use cases. We need that use case that will make people wake up in the morning and ask themselves, what are they going to wear digitally today? Because right now we ha only have that question for ourselves physically. Well, we're not like jumping out of bed and be like, let me try, let me dress my avatar for today. Um, some kids probably do, but uh, we need, we need more use cases. So I think that the utilities from gaming, from uh, interactive, those are going to be the two, uh, two big ones. And with it, the internal discussions we have is maybe 2025, 2026, that's going to be that point. I think a lot of what we talk about uh, internally is, is indeed like, what are the occasions, right? We, we wear fashion in occasions. I go for a party, I go to work. Like, what are those occasions uh, right now? And to Carrie's point, it's already happening. We have enough digital occasions, but we need to be able to distribute it 
across those occasions, right? There are 300 million daily participants in video calls. There is enough occasion, right? Uh, there are 750 million daily use of filters. There's another occasion. So a lot of the work our engineers do right now is how can we distribute it seamlessly? And to Carrie's point, some of these platforms are closed. So that is where we are strong believers. We're super bullish in Web3 because we believe that the world is decentralized and the next evolution of internet is decentralized. So those developments come hand in hand so that we're able to, in a decentralized manner, distribute those files, right? So there are no gate gatekeepers and that you can then truly foster a creator's economy. Um, so I feel, we feel like that the occasion are right there. We are working very strong on distributing to the open spaces on the highest quality level. And there is the, the third pillar, which always is, is when things accelerate is the infrastructure layer, whether it is UX of blockchain, whether it is computer power or hardware, which will also kind of, you know, be able to bring it to the, to the masses, but it, it's, it's very close. Every day we believe it's, you know, some, sometimes people say, when is it going to be there for the masses? And I say, well, depends on the day, you know, depends on the week. I could say it's tomorrow. And when I'm uh, like a bit more negative, we say, well, it's going to take five years or 10 years. But we feel that it is actually closer. Uh, it's, it is a 25, 26. That's where we're looking at right now. So I, I love that Carrie and Adriana, you both talking to the, talking to the technology and also the emotional attachment to digital fashion. But I'm curious, why do you think some of the more traditional how, traditional fashion houses have been reluctant to adopt digital fashion? I'm not sure if they're reluctant, to be honest, because if you look at uh, in the NFT booms, fashion was the biggest industry that actually adopted NFTs, right? So it was the number one industry. There were more than 70 fashion projects uh, happening. And most of them actually were driven by big fashion houses. Uh, and I, I think it's the nature of the innovators, right? So if anything, I do feel that there is a lot of appetite. The industry has changed a lot since we started in 2018. Nobody understood right now. They're coming to us and say, can you help us to get into this space? And, uh, and again, the, the interesting thing is because we have our own label, but we build infrastructure next to that. With the platform, we're able to actually onboard those brands into the space. And uh, most recently, we did the three drops, one with Weekday, which is like a Gen Z, part of the H&M group, actually, you know, a, a, a lovely brand, but a huge fast fashion group right behind. And uh, it was amazing working with them. They were super curious because they are so into like youth culture that for them, this was second nature, but they couldn't get there. Then we did the job with high snobiety, again, very much of that kind of high street edge culture. They wanted to get in, but they didn't know how and were able to pull them in. And then uh, the last job was with Tommy Hilfiger, which was much more geared to gaming and, uh, and gaming infrastructure. And same story, they, they believe in it. They just don't have the means to get there. And I feel that right now is more about not having the means, the knowledge, and maybe the infrastructure. Uh, to be able to truly leverage it rather than we don't know, we don't believe in it. So what I'm hearing is it's a lack of education, a lack of resources, something that both the fabricant and NFT now are both are working to onboard more people into this. Makes a lot of sense. And I know that um, we are currently in the midst of New York Fashion Week. Uh, and so I'm curious, like, you know, 
since the beginning, like what has been the trajectory that you've witnessed or that you've experienced for digital fashion, having a footprint at fashion weeks across the globe? I love that. So actually the great story there is like, uh, we've probably been rejected from all fashion weeks uh, since the beginning. And uh, this year is the first year that we're actually part of the fashion weeks, you know, so we're there. So that's where we see a big transition and big change that the world has woken up to digital fashion. The, the traditional physical fashion industry is really looking at it from how does it change from the internal processes and how does it actually become a new business model for them to fashion week starting to now adopt uh, digital fashion companies and digital only fashion designers. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to see how fast that kind of moved from you know being rejected to actually they're welcoming us with open arms, and why I think that is, I I think it's really because of the, the again the newness factor. If anything that these fashion weeks need are new experiences, are new ways to engage with their audiences, and of course reach. You know, so going beyond the just these physical events and actually being able to connect virtually as well, of course, gives them a much, much larger audience. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunity in digital fashion. And to, to your point, Matt, you know, it's just like, yeah, they don't maybe have like all the resources at the moment, but now they're really starting to look into them and be like, okay, well, what, what is a small thing that we can do and how, how can we actually scale that up and to be able to connect um, much further into different audiences right now? Yeah, and to after that point, I think being on the fashion weeks is critical for that education, right? For for the increase of that visibility, for the embracing of the newness. So we feel it, one is super cool because finally they got it <laughs> and they let us in. But equally, it it is part of our mission to keep poking and uh, but also to keep kind of showing the way, right? How we can how I can do it differently. While we are on the subject of fashion week, I'm not sure many of our audience members are aware of how wasteful fashion weeks can be. All the money and energy and resources and physical materials that we build and we create for a 15 minute fashion show that I've queued up an hour for, and then it's done and it's gone forever. Talk to me more about your visions about sustainability and, and what you have created and what you are continuing to create with The Fabricant and your ideas of the new runway show. Yeah, 100%. And if, if anything, like sustainability has been so much part of our agenda from day one, so much so that we, we had this kind of this intuitive belief that digital was uh, more sustainable than physical. But of course, then we got all these questions. Yeah, but what about computer powering? Uh, what about, you know, blockchain? And we had to do our research. So we partner with an institution in the in the UK and we run a research, look at the entire life cycle of a product. We didn't even look at shows back then. We're just like a product, a physical product, just a digital one. And we were able to prove that the digital item, taking everything into account, was 97% more sustainable than a physical one. So there, was, there is a big sustainability win there, right? And to your point, when you think about the shows, which we haven't measured, that's a good challenge for, for the next one. But like intuitively, you would say, with all that waste of traveling, of materials, of uh, energy, to, to your point, to a 15 minutes show, right? And right now with our digital show, we can actually be everywhere. We can show you any fashion uh, week, right? So 
intuitively I would say it is more sustainable based on the research we have done we can prove it's more sustainable I think it's to your point another a selling point for the industry to say try it differently right why only one fashion week why don't you want to be in the entire globe but in a new in a new way in a more sustainable way and, and also I I dare to say in a much more engaging and interesting way because instead of just watching it you can actually get in and immerse yourself and look at things from, you know, almost touching them very close by. And even, uh, yeah, after the show, you can immediately wear them. Yeah. And and, and to add to that, effort uh, you said it as well, like the fashion brands, they put so much effort into that 15-minute runway show. It's like literally like six months just planning for that 15-minute moment. And once it's done, it's done. It's never to be witnessed again. Uh, you see some photographs and video of it, but you're not you're not experiencing it again. And this again is the power of digital fashion: is to bring the the continuity to it. Is to have have something that you can open again, that you can open 20 years from now and be like, hey, let's experience that again. And to add to that as well, the additional business model. So what once you create digital content, once you create digital assets, you can actually monetize it. Uh, you can distribute it to multiple different platforms. So that's what I love about the, let's say, the power of digital fashion. It's not so much focused on this one-off moment, but it's actually creating continuity and more of a long-form moment. So there's addition to to creativity, you know, so of course all creative directors like to go into that of like how can they be more creative within the shows. And then the business model side, you know, it's for any fashion brand to, to actually connect to these digital technologies is a, a new scalable way of uh, doing business and it will actually help a lot of independent creators to actually, let's say, compete against the larger brands. Great insights, great insights. Well, look, um, you know, as we as we look to move towards a close, I would really just love to hear what's next for The Fabricant. Like, what can our audience look like look forward to? What should we have on our radar? Um, as we as we look towards the the final quarter of the year and heading into 2024. Cool. I'll, I'll take that, and then Adriana can uh, uh, build on it because she's on the front lines of uh, of building like crazy at the moment. So um, we we we've, we've spoken about it a few times now. The utility of digital fashion, you know. So digital fashion is already there, but we need more of those use cases for people to want to interact with digital fashion from. You know, true fashionistas to to non-fashionistas, we want everybody to wear digital clothing. And one of the best and most obvious use cases right now is the video calls that we're on. So we're essentially building the ability for people to buy our digital clothing and then wear it immediately on the video calls and also to make uh, content for social media. Those are, the, let's say, the dead obvious ones uh, where people understand digital fashion. Uh, so that's the that's something that we're going to be showcasing very soon. I don't know, Adriana, how much you want to share when and how and what that is. Yeah, I can I can share a bit more. I think from a from a vision level, what we're really passionate about in the coming phase of the fabricant is is this concept of a digital fashion house expanded, where right now what uh, what the industry has done is a lot of uh, one off drops. Right, I think we all have seen you know, digital fashion drops, uh, on-chain one-offs. And we believe that uh, we're getting to a point that brands are going to commit to the space and stay. Uh, so we are now actively talking to curating 
brands that we believe have the right profile from a culture-defining uh, ethos to actually be part of our digital fashion house. So that we're going to have continuous labels. You know, I always say if LVMH would be born today in today's world, they would not own the labels. They would actually have the infrastructure to nurture those labels. And that's our ambition. So that is the space where we are going to. And it's really exciting. The conversations are very exciting. Another big piece for us uh, from the roadmap is that we're expanding into the EVM uh, network of ecosystem. So we are going into Ethereum, and that is uh, super important because we believe that's uh, where you know the builders are that will enable us to improve our tooling and also to expand our reach. So that is super important. It's a big alpha. Um, that's coming soon. And then to Carrie's point is occasions, fashion occasions. Uh, we, what we already do, we have the AF filters. That's great. That is working. We have the Red Playme collaboration. That's great. That's working. We have our 3D files for our creators. What we believe very strongly is this setting. You know, this setting when we have creative people around the video call, you want to express yourself. You know, Afro that has these beautiful earrings. We want to add more earrings to her collection. They're going to be digital ones. And we are now uh, into a very strong R&D phase. We believe that uh, beginning next year, we'll be able to release it. And then getting in touch with the different platforms to make it a seamless experience, right? Because ultimately, it needs to be seamless. We, we all used in today's world with one-click buy, one-click try. We want to make that experience seamless. Uh, but that's an occasion that we really believe in, and that is coming very soon. And the other occasion that uh, we also uh, in a very strong piloting is just using AI for your dressing. So what it, would it be to just extend that content creation uh, through AI? Uh, we have done quite a lot of experiments already and it's something that is also in our kind of development pipeline and we will continue. You know, gaming is of course an important one. Uh, there is a lot of R&D on, on expanding to those occasions and expanding the opportunities of uh, wearing your digital items for those that are owning it. Ultimately, we believe that uh, our digital wardrobe is going to be larger and richer than our physical one. There it is. There it is. And Adriano, we love the alpha here at, at NFT now. So I have to I have to ask a little bit more about the move to Ethereum. That is some big news right there. That's really significant. Um, tell us just a little bit about what what that entails, what that timeline looks like, and kind of what the uh, you know the kind of the contributing factors were that, that 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 led to that decision. Yeah, great question. So we're going to be launching our EVM platform uh, end of this year, and uh, the the reason why we're moving there, uh, Adriano already touched upon it a little bit. It's going to help us uh, have a richer tooling. It's going to help us connect to a, a larger developer base. It's going to help us connect to larger community. Uh, so there's a lot of um, a lot, it's it's a lot about it is reach, you know, because we 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 are true believers that you know blockchain will be in the background in the future, but right now as we're still in in this world where we need to interact with wallets, we need to be able to interact with crypto and, and understand you know this new user flow, these new technologies. It does mean that we do need to be connecting to. A wider audience and the reason why we went with flow first uh well we have great co connection with dapper labs flow blockchain is is a great technology 
there's a lot of things that we can do with it that uh, is only possible with Ethereum these days. Um, but yeah, it's the, the community is much smaller there and it's been much harder to, let's say, connect uh, to, let's say, the Web3 audience uh, through that community. And uh, yeah, we see, now we see Ethereum actually being mature. It's, it's moved fast so forward. And, you know, with protocols like ERC-6551 that was developed by also one of our great uh, friends and investors, Benny, and his gang, they're doing amazing things there. And now, now all of a sudden, yeah, we have a, a great tool set to actually express the way that we always wanted to express digital fashion. And the ERC-6551 just plays a very big role when it comes down to us wanting to uh, build a wardrobe because it actually allows for people to mix and match their items uh, 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 authentically on-chain. Makes a ton of sense. Thank you, Kerry, Adriana. So appreciate you joining us today on the NFT Now podcast. So insightful and really excited to learn more about what you have coming and, uh, and, and see the next chapter of the Fabricant come to life. Amazing. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, guys. Love that conversation, uh, especially everything about the importance of storytelling in digital fashion, the slow embrace we're seeing from the traditional establishment, and of course, that million-dollar question of what it's going to take to bring this movement mainstream. I think high quality and accessible collections like Primal Rave are an important step in the right direction. And you can learn more about it at thefabricant.com slash Primal Rave. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please head to your streaming service of choice and leave us a review. We love the stars. We love your feedback. And each comment you leave actually helps surface what we're doing for a wider audience. Thank you again. And we will see you next week on the NFT Now podcast.